The psalmist tells us, O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Brethren, friends and family, even at this time, I am to remind you of the goodness of God. Our God is not unawares of the difficulties and challenges that you are facing. He is fully aware of what is going on, and He is still in charge. I pray that you have learned as a child of God to rejoice when things are good, and also rejoice when things are not so good. It is the will of God that we live a life of thankfulness and thanksgiving. For our God is not only good sometimes, but all times. He has a purpose that everything we go through will ultimately be for our better, will fulfill His purpose, and we can become the people He wants us to be and to inherit the kingdom that He intends for us to inherit. God's will must be fulfilled. Things must come to pass. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of God will never pass away. I greet you in the name and in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If you are listening to this lesson, I want you to know that my name is Dillian Bellot, currently minister of the Grosley Church of Christ, St. Lucia. And I am happy that you were listening to this lesson. Today I want to share with us a lesson in the form of a question. As I ponder upon some information that I would love to put into uh, the church website that I'm currently engaged in building, a question comes to mind. What do people look for in a website? Or what type of question might someone have who comes across the church website or who might ask those of us who are in Christ? And one of the things that come to mind is this particular question concerning God that one may ask, what does God offer us? I want you to know that what God offers us is both numerous and vast and there is no way that I can possibly cover all of it in one or two lessons. Also, a lot of what God offers us can be viewed in both a general perspective and an individual perspective. But I have chosen to share with you in this lesson things taken from my own personal experience and knowledge, both of my own salvation and in my interaction with others, and by no means has a totality of all the things that God offers us. I have also chosen to be selective with that which I will share with you. In some ways, I'm avoiding some of the most obvious things which a person might be tempted to make mention of for some of the things which may not immediately be considered when we think of that question. I beg of you your attention while I seek to share with you of the things that God, or some of the things which God offers us, or those who come to Him. Firstly, I would like to point out what I think is a rather very important fact, and that is a life of purpose, or a purposeful living. 
I remember asking the question as a teenager. What is the meaning of life? What is the meaning to life? To what is this life? Or what am I here for? Others ask themselves, Is this life worth living? Or what is there to live for? The psalmist in Psalms 8 verse 3 to 4 says, When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy hands, the moon and the stars, which thou hast ordained, what is man, that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man, that thou visits him? Each day millions of people walk aimlessly across the face of the world, across the face of this earth. Many don't know where they are coming from, nor where they are going. And this life seems purposeless and empty and void. Many even choose to end it prematurely. If we consider what David said, we will agree with him that it raises a whole other question about the significance of our being here on earth. The heaven is a grand place. The world is a huge place. And we are but one of billions of people who, inherit, who are inheriting this earth. And yet still we are but a speck of dust in the whole world. But the earth is part of a greater universe. A, this earth, rather, is a part of uh, what we call the ga our galaxy. And, and it is a part of hundreds, if not thousands of galaxies in this grand universe of ours. And so when David considered all of that, he asked the question, what is man? I want you to know that one of the things that takes place when an individual comes to God is that it helps him find the purpose to life. I know for a fact that God has helped me and countless others to find purpose to this life, giving meaning to this life, and I'm sure that it will do the same for many others. I'd like to draw your attention to a light bulb. Every light bulb is made to shine, or has the potential to shine. But the light bulb which sits on the shelf, not plugged into the, the electrical circuit, is a light bulb that does not shine. Therefore, one which does not fulfill its purpose. For unless it is not plugged into that circuit, into this outlet, even though it has the potential, it will never fulfill its true potential. This is an analogy of man and the purpose of his existence. Who are we? Why are we here? Questions which has been asked for so long and to which science or any other thing has failed to give a good answer. Neither has the pursuit of riches and fame or pleasures brought man any closer to finding out. But the Bible tells us that we were created in the image of God and that it is not we ourselves who made ourselves. The purpose of our existence, the reason for our living, is found only in God. In the absence of God, man is left with an emptiness in his soul, a certain void which cannot be filled by anything or anyone else in this life or next. Man is linked to God. 
the purpose of his existence is found in God. And therefore, a man who lives outside of God is a man who is not fulfilling his purpose, is a man who is not shining as he is intended to because he is living outside the source of his power. In God, we find the source of our existence, the reason for our living, which in turn gives meaning and purpose to our lives. In Christ, our lives are no longer meaningless, no pointless. There is an aim, there is a goal, there is a vision. There is purpose in Christ, which brings stability in our, in our lives, in our minds, it brings clarity, and even contentment to the way that we live. How much better is a life which has a purpose than a life without a purpose? Everything and everyone has a purpose. And our purpose is found with God. And so as we consider this question, what does God offer us? I think it is wonderful for one to realize that coming to God gives one a purposeful living. As we consider, as we continue rather, to consider this thought, I would like to suggest as something which God offers unto any man who comes to him, family. For some that may mean much more than others. For some of us may have had little family or no family at all. Others may have had or known family only to have them taken away through circumstances of life such as illness or health issues and even death. And yet still there are others who have had family but only in name or title because they have been distant even while they may have been present or they were absent and many have completely abandoned their family, forsaken their family and turned their backs on their responsibilities. Coming to God is not without its challenges and one of the most difficult of these challenges can be one's own family. Coming to God is an individual responsibility of our personal need for salvation and the response of either accepting or rejecting such salvation calls for accountability of an individualistic nature. The Bible tells us, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that which he has done, whether it be good or bad. Family matters. But when we all appear before God, none can speak on behalf of another. That's why Jesus said, Matthew chapter 10, verse 37 to 38, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Jesus does not encourage division in families. On the contrary, husband are asked to love and provide for their wives and children. And wives are asked to submit to their own husband. And children are asked to obey their parents. Families are important. But one's own salvation is of far greater importance than even their biological family. 
Jesus also asked the question, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? This applies even to our earthly families. Therefore, salvation is a personal and of an individual nature. It is not a group activity. It does not come with a group discount or group coupon. And sometimes families do not agree on the matter of whether they should, one should follow Jesus. In my personal experience, I have seen parents threaten to disown their children, their own children, because they have wanted, they had a desire to become Christians. It is with these people in mind to which I have decided to highlight family as one of the things which God offers when we come to him. Friends, Matthew chapter 19, verse 29, Jesus said, And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mothers or wife or children or land for my sake shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit eternal life. It is comforting to know that whatever we leave or forsake in our following of Jesus is not in vain. And one of the things which God offers us is a sense of belonging, to be a part of God's own family. John says, 1 John 3, 1, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it kneweth him not. To be a part of God's family is a privilege to which few things compare. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 to 17, the Apostle Paul says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but by you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. We did not choose our earthly families, but we get to choose whether or not we want to be a part of God's family. And when we choose to follow Jesus, we become a part of the family of God. We become God's children. And we get to call him Abba Father. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3 tells us, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who have blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Not only does God provide us with a family, but God provides for his family. The Bible tells us that in Christ Jesus, as a part of God's family, God provides us with all spiritual blessings. It is worth noting that there are many blessings that are of a general sense that are available to all men. For example, the Bible tells us, He causeth His rain to fall upon men and even the sun to shine upon all men. But spiritual blessings, the scripture tells us, are found only in Christ Jesus. It is only when one becomes a member of the family of God that he gets to enjoy all spiritual 
blessings. Therefore, God offers us a life of purpose and he lets us know that we belong by adding us to his own family. And God has provided for his family all spiritual blessings. It is good to know that we are not alone when we choose to follow Jesus. One of my greatest joy is traveling this world wherever I may go and to be able to find people of like precious faith. To be able to find Christians who love me and accept me as their family. When I travel to Dominica, my greatest joy is not uh, seeing the boiling lake of 365 rivers. It is to meet with the saints of God. When I travel to St. Lucia, it's not to see the, the depiton, but to see rather the, the brethren who are uh, share the common faith in Christ. When I travel to uh, Trinidad, it is not for the steel pan, it is not for the shack and bake, but rather one of the first things I do is to meet the brethren in Christ. It is one of my greatest joy, and I assure you that whenever or wherever you go, as a child of God, that you will find those who love God as much as you do and will love you as a result of it. You will find those who are your family in Christ Jesus because the family of God is not restricted to a congregation you are a part of or wherever you may live. In every country of the world that I go, I can find family of the Lord's church. And that family is my family and can be your family too. In my experience, the family of God here on earth is ready to receive all those who come with open arms. What does God offer us? I can't help but to speak about love. Love is at the center of all which God is and teaches. And God, the Bible tells us, is love. The family is also a loving family. The church is encouraged to love all men, but especially those of the household of faith. There are well over 50 scriptures which contains instructions on how the church, the members of the church, are supposed to deal one with another. And majority of them deals or instruct us to love one another. This is actually not only an instruction from God, but a commandment from God. Therefore, every Christian knew that it is the will of God to love one another and to love others. When one considers what God offers him, he must encounter love. At large, the church is a place of love. It is filled with love which makes the church a wonderful family to be a part of. And newcomers are often very surprised to see and to know how much love is actually in the church of God. And people are drawn towards the church for its love. Jesus himself tells us that. He tells us to love one another because by this shall all men know that you are my disciple. However, the love found in the church is not actually the love that I want to speak of. The church's love is both limited and restricted since it's actually just a reflection of God's love. Also, the church is the human side of things and it's not without its flaws and without its failures. But the love I really want to speak of is on the divine side of things. It is the love of God. It is God, because John tells us, First John 4, 8, God is love. I want to let you know 
that among the things that one is offered, that is made available to us when we come to God, is His love. Not a reflection or an example of love, but the source of love itself. And no man has ever known love until he encounters the love of God. When a person comes to God, what he encounters is true, genuine, deep, unadulterated, unfiltered, unbridled, immeasurable, unexplainable, infallible, profoundly and amazing love to which nothing else comes close or even compares. Not even a mother's love or a father's love come close. It can sometimes even become overwhelming because we know that we are undeserving of such love, of such wonderful love. Yet God offers us his love full of compassion and mercy. Hear what Paul tells us about the love of God. Romans chapter 8, verse 38 to verse 39. Paul says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's love is incredible and unmatched by any other and makes it all worth it. Whatever it takes to come to God, whatever difficulty a man may encounter, whatever he forsakes, leaves behind, turns his back on, God's love makes it all worth it. It is that love which caused God to send his only begotten son. It is that love which caused Jesus to die on the cross for you. And that's why the Bible tells us, John fifteen thirteen, Greater love have no man than this, than that a man would lay down his life for his friends. Would you ever die for a friend or family member? Would you ever die for an enemy? The Bible tells us, Romans 5, 8, But God demonstrated his love towards us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In this is love, John says, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Is there any greater proof that God loves me than this? This is the type of love that we simply can't fathom. Christ died for me even though I had zero righteousness of my own. He didn't die for a good person. He didn't die for me as a righteous man but rather a wicked sinner who wanted nothing to do with him at the time. It is an incomprehensible love, but it is real, it is deep, and it is given freely. The love of God, my friend, is hands down the most incredible and amazing thing which a human being can ever encounter. And there is no number of verbs or adjectives or any parts of speech which can be used that will truly help a person to understand because it is really indescribable. It is almost incomprehensible. God loves you with a perfect love. What does God offer us? Thus far we have looked at the fact that when an individual comes to God, 
God offers him or grants him, gives unto him a purpose for living. A purposeful living. God grants unto him family. God grants unto him a perfect love. If I am to summarize all of that, I would say that God grants unto us some form of validation. Have you ever heard this question asked by man? Is there anybody out there? Perhaps this question might be asked internally. Can anyone hear me? Or does anyone care? Have you ever asked this question to yourselves? Have you ever heard others asking such questions? You are not an accident. You matter to God. You are loved. God has been pursuing you from birth. Jesus said that his angels protect you as a child. God sent his son to die just for you. Even if your sins were the only one in existence, Jesus would have still chosen to die for your sins. You are special to God. You are not worthless. You are important to God. He made you. He formed you. All these things become very clear to us or to the one who comes to God. God offers us this validation, this recognition of who we are and who he is to us. This affirmation that we are not an accident, that we have purpose, that we, our life has meaning, that we mean something to somebody, that we are loved. The Bible tells us, Matthew 10.30 says, But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. When you find God, you find the answers to the meaning of this life. Jesus said, The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, or to destroy, and to destroy. I have come that you may have life, and that you may have it more abundantly. When one comes to God, he finds a life so abundant that he is awakened in ways that, that makes living without God seem pointless and worthless. And in many ways it is. Why? Because your life has meaning. Your life has a purpose. Your life is not vain. You are not unlovable. But rather you are much loved by God and sought after by Him. You will never regret coming to God. A man will never regret staying with God. Ephesians 2 verse 4 to 5 tells us, But God being rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, for by grace we have been saved. Do you want to know God's love? Jesus said, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And come unto me, he said, all ye that labor under heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The invitation has been made. Come to God. He grants unto you all his precious promises. Have you turned your back on God? On the love of God. I want you to know that you may have turned your back on God. But God has not turned his back on you. 
He has never stopped loving you. Return to God and He will forgive you. Return to God. His arms will be open. Friends, when we confess Jesus as God, when we repent of our sins, when we are baptized for the remission of our sins, the Bible tells us that God grants unto us, unto us His Holy Spirit. And thereby we are able to call Him Abba Father. And be partakers of an inheritance. We become joint heirs with Jesus. Perhaps I will use the our next next time I talk to you to share about some of the other things that God offers us, such as joy and peace, hope and freedom, so many more of the precious promises that are found in God. But I trust that that which I have shared with you, it perhaps encourage you to come to know God if you do not know Him. Or if you have forsaken Him, that you will come back to God, that you will remember the love of God for you. Paul tells us nothing, not in this world, nor in the, in the world to come, can separate us, can separate you from the love that God has for you. I pray that these words will be a source of encouragement to all who hear. And I ask that whatever you do, that you continue to put your faith and trust in God. Believe in Him, obey Him, come what me, go with God. God bless you and good day.